All right. Good morning. I'm glad to see your smiling face here. So um, this past week, or a couple weeks, I knew this was happening. Done as much preparation as I can. And it's kind of changed and kind of morphed, but I um, was just knowing that Pastor Spence has been going through um, what family is, that we believe in families, what the Bible is, we believe in the Bible, and what the church is, that we're to be the church. I know he's going to carry on and acts and go through that, but I'm going to probably, I'm going to try to do a little bit of a quilt work, and I'm going to put together a few different scriptures and a few different books, and I'm going to sh- hopefully show a common theme, and basically we're going to play the game, if then, if this, then that, and we're just going to build on it. And I'll do the best I can, and I trust that God will speak, and we'll move forward. Um, There's no notes in your bulletin, so I hope you brought a pen, and we're going to have a list of scriptures, and we're going to, you can write them down, and you can reference them, you can um, check them out later this week, but... The first thing is, is I'm going to tell a story from back in the day when I was, well, I'm still a fireman, but, but a few years ago, and it happened to be on Avery's birthday um, in May, so her birthday is May 31st, and so we get a, get a call um, from one of our chiefs and says, hey, there's a flood event in Norman, we need the Swiftwater guys, and I volunteer, Brock volunteers, um, handful of guys, and they all, you know, Edmund Fire Departments, there's about 120 guys on suppression. Back then, probably 100 guys on suppression. So out of those 100 guys, my, like my five closest friends. And so the thing is with water, you think water's great, right? It gives life, you know, and if it's a drought, it takes away life, you know, and and like there's either a lot or a little, and some days there's just enough. Well, that day, um, there was a lot. And Norman is known for flooding to the point of that they name a street Flood Street. Like, honest to goodness. And so what happened is on Flood Street, there was a car that had got stuck on that, and they sent some Norman firemen on this thing that looks like a banana. And they tied a rope to this long floating banana. It literally looks like something you would drag around the lake, like with kids on it, bouncing up and down. You know, like that's what it looks like. And so they send guys out on this thing to go get the people off the boat. And apparently they got the people off, or off the roof of the car. They got them. Something happens. I don't know what. And it's not like we ever sat around and talked about it with them afterwards. I don't know what went wrong, but something went wrong. And... When you go to Swiftwater, they always tell you, hey, set up these tow lines, do all this, you know, fancy rope stuff. And in Oklahoma, when it floods, like literally, unless it's over like a drainage ditch, you're not sitting up a high line. You know, like this water was at least a quarter mile wide, you know, so it's, it's, it's wide. And it's so a road's going like this, and there's a barbed wire fence along the bar ditch, 
and there's trees. Okay, so car, I'm, I'm having to make this up in my mind because I never got to see it because it was dark. But I do know there's trees, I do know there's a fence, and I do know there was a stop sign. Those are the things I know. The rest of it, I'm using some liberties, okay? So just go with me here, okay? So, so something went wrong, and you have, they had a, a line tied to this banana boat thing, and something happens, and those guys get off in the trees, some firemen, and the water keeps rising, keeps rising, keeps rising, and they can't get them, and so they call for Edmund, and there's, they don't know how many firemen are down there. There's a chief down there. They keep losing radios, and so, like, they're dropping, like, things are going wrong, and it's, you know, you plan, you do training, you do all this stuff, but then sometimes things go wrong, and you just adjust and move on, and so we get the call because we have a boat, and so they were, in their mind, they could send us to go get them in the boat. But by the time we were heading down there, uh, a tornado comes across I-35. We have to sit and stop and wait. And we're in a, like a tow vehicle with a big trailer behind it. And then we have another vehicle with our boats on it. Okay, so we're in this mini convoy, you know, going down there. And we have to sit and wait. It, and by the time we get there, we pull up. It's pouring down rain. We're putting on our dry suits, you know. We're going through game plan. Um, and... We break up into teams. One of the guys is going to be in, in command over us. And then two guys are going to be, um, they're going to go downstream and see what we have. And then the, there's two others of us that are back up. Okay. And this whole rope is tied to an engine that's sitting on, a, on the pavement. And then, then in front of the engine is a rock where the water was, you know, like so that you, you can remember where it is. So you mark the water to see if it's coming up, right? So, um, Brock and Barry, like Brock Terrell, you know, the Terrells, so they were on the first team, and they were going to go down and check out what was going on, okay? They would sent a bunch of other guys down that same line to check what was going on, and at this point, it's dark, it's raining cats and dogs, I mean, it's pouring down rain, and... Um, as they go down the line, they say, hey, there's a guy at a stop sign... Jimmy, Lance, walk out here. The water's not deep. Just wait out going down that line and help this guy off the stop sign because he's sitting on an island and just walking back in. Easy enough. So I look at Lance and I say, hey, should we uh, set up a, like a tow line in case something goes wrong? Lance looks at me and he says, man, we're good. It's, 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 it's just knee deep. We're just going to walk out there and we'll go get him and come back. I'm like, you sure we don't need to hook up a tether line to us? And he says, man, we're good. It's not deep. The water's good. We're just going to walk out there, grab that guy, come back. Okay. I knew better. But I'm the youngest guy. I know my role. I shut my mouth and I do my job. These days, I would like to think the older me would be like, no, we're going to do this. But that wasn't the younger me. And so Lance and I start off down this line, and we're all connected with one rope going to the engine, right? There's a bunch of Norman firemen standing there at the engine. There's floodlights on, pouring down rain. We're all doing the best we can to communicate. And 
So we go out there, and it's probably at least 100 feet out to this guy. So we're walking out, and you got a, a pole, and you're feeling in front of you so that you don't step off in a hole. And so we're walking, and if you stand in line, you know, so the water's coming this way. If you stand in line and a guy's here, then he's kind of getting some relief, you know, from the water, from the flow of the water. So um, I don't remember who's in front of who, but, you know, we're pretty close, and one hand on the other, and we're going. All of a sudden, the water comes up instantly. I mean, instantly. And so what happens when the water comes up a foot instantly? Things change. It doesn't matter what you want to do. They say the thing is with water is that it's relentless. It does not give up. You cannot swim hard enough, fast enough. Like you cannot. It's just it's the way it is. It is relentless. So sweeps me off my feet. Sweeps Lance Bloyd off his feet. The two of us are underwater. I remember coming up above the water and I could hear Lance say it as I said it. Pull, pull. We're hollering at the, the hall team down line to pull. And it was like, pull, you know. And literally, that's the closest I've ever been to death. That I know of. I mean, who knows? I mean, I've done some stupid things. But at this moment in life, I was thinking, wow. I, I didn't think this was going to be the way I left. But here we go. I'm going to go downstream, down into the dark abyss, and who knows where I'm going to wind up. You know, like, okay, Lord, it's up to you from here. And so what happened is, is when we started yelling pool and maybe the water going up a foot, but it, we're all tied together. We're all linked together. Every one of us is on this one thing that is sustaining our lives, and it's this one rope. Come to find out, Barry and Brock were standing on a barbed wire fence. Barry had fallen off the fence, and Brock, I don't know if you know this, but his arms are like this much longer than everybody else's in the world, <laughs> which is a good thing. God might have designed him that like that just to grab Barry that night because Barry credits Brock for saving his life because Brock had enough reach to grab him and pull him back to safety. So we're all tied to this one single line. And down that line and around these trees are a bunch of Norman firemen. Like, not part of our team, but they're part of the big team, you know? Like, and so as this is all going on, and as me and Lance are, we are just like, a, like fishing lures off into the abyss, you know? And so we're, the weight of our bodies are advancing this boat up along the trees, and it, as they come, it frees them up, and they pick up Barry and Brock. And, and as, as this goes this way, and then they get the guy on the stop sign, and eventually the hall team pulls us in and gets us on shore, and we start pulling. And then, you know, all of a sudden, all the men come home safe. Like, Brock and I were texting this morning and I said, hey, you might want to watch this. I might, you know, hold me accountable for not embellishing this story too much. And he said, well, here's the thing. He goes, God was looking out for us that night because we should be a plaque on the wall. It's true. 
because a bunch of dumb firemen made a bunch of mistakes that night. But here I am. But just like to bring it back to what this story is, is it's about being the church, right? So we're the church. What is the church? So God, Jesus says, I'm the, the vine and you're the branches, you know? So he says, vine and branches, those are tied together, right? So he also says, he also calls us a body, right? So he says, you know, like, we're a body with many members, so we're tied together, right? So that's another thing. And the next thing he says is we're a family. So family, Bible, and church. So family. And then the next thing he calls us is the church, right? So just like all those firemen, there, there's a thing that held us together and was sustaining life. Well, as a church body, we are also tied together, and that's what I want to talk about is like some days you're going to be the hall team. Some days you're going to be the guy that's the lure. Some days you're going to be the one that is out on the boat. But we all have our place and we all have a place to serve. And some days it's, all, it's going to be a bad day for you and someone else is going to get to serve you. And then some days it's going to be a good day for you and you're going to get to serve others. So the scriptures I'd like to go over today would be Ephesians 2. 19 through 22, 1 Peter 2, 4 through 9, Colossians 3, 1 through 17, and Romans 12, 1 through 18. I know it's a lot of reading, but the thing is that I know also that God says that his word will never return void. And so if I'm going to get up here, I'd rather lean on that and <laughs> less on me. So... The question that I'd like to go to first and foremost is where does God live? I was listening to a podcast that was suggested from a friend and he it posed this question, where does God live? I was like, that's a good question. That sounds like a really in big question that a child would ask, right? And so where does God live? Does he live high on a mountain? Maybe. Does he live in a building? Does he live in inside of like sticks and mortar? I mean, some people would think so because they built these huge, monstrous churches that are just beautiful and like the architecture is amazing. Is that where God lives? Like, does that even do justice to God to say that, they, that us as humans could build this metal building that's all pieced together and say God lives here within this? I think we do a disservice to God to say that we could build something for him to live in. But I will also pose the question, did God or did Jesus come here to build the church? I'd say so. So let's start off in Ephesians chapter 2, 19 through 22. And I'm, lately I've been reading the New Living Bible. It's more phrase for phrase. It's going to be out of your box. You're probably not going to have it memorized like you do the NIV or New King James. But the thing is, let's listen to it and we'll... Y'all can go back to a better translation, if you will, later, okay? So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all God's holy people. 
You are members of God's family. Together, we are his house built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, and the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Through him, you Gentiles are also being made part of his dwelling where God lives by his spirit. Isn't that crazy? So where does God live? Inside of us. So who, who is the church? It's us. It's not this building. It's just sticks. It's just metal. The thing is, is that we are the church. Across the street's the church. Those people over there on the other corner, they're the church. Like, as believers, so John 14, 6 says, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to me except through, no one comes to the Father except through me. So Jesus said that, right? So he's either crazy or he's God. One or the other. But the thing is, is that if we accept that truth, and we believe in him, we put our faith in him, then we are the church, and he comes and lives in us. And then we are the church. So we are the dwelling place of God, which puts a lot of responsibility on us, right? And like I said, we're going to play if this, then that. So now we're going to trudge on, and we're going to go to uh, 1 Peter. Man, I've got the sniffles. I feel sorry for you all having to listen to that. 1 Peter 2, 4 through 9. You are coming to Christ who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God for for great honor. And you are living stones that God is building into the spiritual temple. What's more, you are his holy priest. Through the mediation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God As the scripture says, I am placing a cornerstone in Jerusalem, chosen for great honor, and everyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Yes, you who trust him recognize the honor God has given him, but for those who rejected him, the stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. And he is the stone that makes people stumble, the rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they do not obey God's word, and so they meet the faith that was planned for them. But you are not like that, for you are a chosen people. You are a royal priest, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness into the wonderful light. So what kind of cornerstone is Jesus? The living cornerstone? What kind of rocks are you in the church? You're the living rocks. So, but as the living rocks and as trusting in Jesus, it has a responsibility, right? So if then, if this, then that. It says, as a result, you can show others the goodness of God. For he called you out of the darkness and into his wonderful light. So now it's putting more onto us, right? So if that is God, 
if, if Jesus says he's God, if he's the only way, the truth, and the life, if we believe in that, now we become the church, now we have a responsibility as the church, right? Which that kind of stinks because it'd be really easy just to like cash in all our chips, say, yeah, I believe Jesus is God. I believe he died for my sins. Done. Okay? Which would be good. That would be easy. But the thing is, is that he also promised that he is going to continue the work he started in you to completion. And so that, that's funny because it's kind of, it becomes all-consuming. Like, he didn't want to just have part of your life. He wanted all of it. He didn't want to have you just on Wednesdays and Sundays. He wanted all of it. And the longer you know him, the more you realize that to be. And because he's a good father that's going to pursue you. You can run. I have. And he comes and finds you. So let's march on. Now we're going to go to a longer scripture, and after that, even a longer scripture, so, so bear with me. Colossians chapter 3, 1 through 17. Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at, the, at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life, and, you, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in his glory. So put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you, had nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. You used to do these things, and when your life was still part of this world, but now is the time to get rid of, of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Don't lie to each other. For you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. Put your new nature, put on your new nature and be re renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. In this new life, it does not matter if you're a Jew or Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. Christ is all that matters and he lives in all of us. I want to back up and just emphasize this. Like this would be a great memory verse. If you could, if you could put this, store this away in your mind and chew on it throughout the week, I, it, I think it would do us all well. It says, put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. And then it says, no matter what you are, who you are, Christ is all that matters, and he lives in all of us. Let's move on. Since God chose you to, to be holy people, he loves you. He loves. You must clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive everyone who offends you. Sounds like a family, right? So the thing is, is that we can get mad, and trust me, there's a, 
we can go to the other family, or you know, or but in reality is is that like as family members we can't get rid of each other. Like it's easier to deal with our stuff, even though it might be difficult to deal with it and to move on and to challenge each other. Because the thing is, is like, because you believe one way and I believe one way, if we hash it out, we're going to be stronger together, right? Or if something comes up, if we hash it out, we're going to be stronger together. Let the message about Christ and all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing songs and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And with whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus. Give thanks through him to God the Father. I'll stop before the wives submit to husband stuff, you know, whatever. So we'll... But it's just, it, that's just a challenge to all of us that we are going to do life together. It's not always going to be easy. It's not going to always be pretty. Like, but we as a family, as rocks, and I like that he said, like, we are a foundation, that we are living stones, like, mortared together. Because if we weren't, like, locked together, it'd be really easy just to bounce and go somewhere else, right? So that's the cool thing about being part of a church body is that, like, and... That's honestly the reason why Jenna and I joined the church is because we're saying we're committed to working it out. We're committed to be here. We're committed to you as a family. Like, that's the reason we joined. Like, yeah, we're part of the big church, right? Like, like the big C. But the thing is, is like here, no, we, we join. Why do you join? It's just to say that we are committed. Like, it might not be always easy. It might not always be fun. But the thing is, is that we believe God has us here, and we're set for a common purpose and a common goal. And so we're here to be families, teach the Bible, be the church. You know, that's the reason we're here, and we can believe in it and get behind it, right? So as a final charge... We're going to read through Romans 12. And I know it's just me sitting up here reading, but the thing is, is I don't believe you have to reinvent the will. You just have to, I mean, someone's already said it better than I could ever say it. So dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will, then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Do not think you are better than you really are. Some of you might need to hear that today. I know I do sometimes. Don't think of yourself better than you really are. Be humble. Know that when you're measured up against Christ, you are found in need of Christ and his perfection. You are found wanting and don't think you're better than your neighbor. Your neighbor's dealing with the same things you are. Nothing's new under the sun. 
Like, you can be humble. Like, look at yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself, right? It's because when you look at yourself, you have hope for yourself. You, when you look in the mirror in the morning, you think, man, okay, today's going to be the day. It's not like you look in the mirror and you're like, whew, buddy, I don't think you got it. No, we all, we all look at ourselves and we all have this hope for ourselves that today's going to be the day that we're going to do good. And today's the day that we're going to do better, right? So if we give each other that same graciousness and, and same hope, man, I think it would change us drastically. Because some days I'm like, man, that person, whew. But if it was me looking at me, I'd give myself hope. Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, yeah, okay, hold on. Be honest in your evaluation of yourself, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. Just as our bodies have many parts, and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body, which is what we're talking about. This is the part, like, rocks, vine, branches, body, we're all different parts, so we have a place here. We have a place to serve within the big church and the little church, like from different churches, churches, but we have a place. Like, if you aren't actively serving, there is a place for you to do it, and trust me, you will find joy in doing that. Like, just coming to church is great, but if you get plugged in, you will enjoy it so much more. I promise you, you will. And you will know why you show up here, and you'll have a purpose for why you show up here. Like, it doesn't matter if it's cleaning tables over there after everybody eats on Wednesday. Take joy in that. Like, if it's helping with the kids, like, they, we have a kids ministry that really needs some help. And trust me, you'll have joy in that. Every once in a while, I go up there because they need help. And it's fun. You get to be a kid. And you get to be act goofy, smash stuff. You know, like, hey, we all need that, right? That's good. So we are all part of the body and we all have place. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. So who do we belong to? Each other. Right? So we belong to God. We belong to each other. Right? So the thing is, is like all those guys that were on that one rope, no matter how any of those men felt, they were all tied into that rope. We all belong to each other at that point. Right? It didn't matter. Like it or you could leave it. But the thing is, is that if we were all coming home, it was because we were all tied together. And we all had a place, right? In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is encouraging others, be encouraging. If it is giving Give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Don't just pretend to love others, really love them. <laughs> Don't just pretend to love others, really love them. Hate what is wrong, hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. 
Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. That's one verse I could probably put up on my mirror in the bathroom every morning and look at it. And when I'm looking there and giving, like thinking, all right, today's your day, I probably would need to see this one. So never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. On a personal note, Jenna and I's house, it, well, I've been remodeling it for years. I need to finish it. I find myself being so busy with other things that it's just, it's just not finished. But at some point over the last year, Jenna and I realized that God calls us to practice hospitality. And so a lot of y'all typically that have kids amongst our kids' age have been invited over to our house. Is it finished? No. Did God require us to have a finished house to invite y'all over? No. He never said anything about a pretty house. He didn't. Matter of fact, he didn't. It just says practice hospitality. Love on each other. Be the church. If you don't know anyone in this church, I guarantee you before you walk out that door and you said, hey, we're going to put together some sandwiches. Want to come over? There'd be takers. And then all of a sudden, you're the church. And it's not even something fancy. It's not like you have a fancy dinner of steak or all that. It doesn't really matter. God just challenged us to be practice hospitality. Well, what about if we don't get along with people? Well, it's a good question. It says, bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who are weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. And don't think you know it all. Like I said, it's good words. Like, well, I, I can't make this stuff up. Don't think you know it all. I could probably add that to the mirror. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. And with that, I'd like to close. I would like to use that as the final challenge to all of us, as being part of the church, being part of this body, being a part of this community, being a part of this bigger community outside of Wellston. It says, do all that you can, putting it on you. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone.
So what if someone's made you upset? What if something, someone's done something that you don't feel you can forgive? What if someone owes you money? What if someone is, I don't know, made you mad? Said something bad about you? God says, do all that you can to live in peace with them. So as we come up, as the music plays and all of that, I'm supposed to, supposed to go to 11.55, 11.51. Y'all are getting out early. How about that? But, but let's really consider this, okay? Let's really consider what can we do to live at peace with everybody? Is there someone you need to say, hey, I'm sorry to? Is there someone you need to go talk to? Because this is your body. This is your family. These are the people you're glued together with. These are the people you're going to serve this community with. Like, it's no big deal. As my good friend Brock says, they can't eat you. And that's just the way it is. Because whether you like it or not, we're all tied together. We're all tied on the same lifeline together. So, the thing is, is that Jesus did say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He didn't say your good works. He didn't say your good looks. He said, no one comes to the Father except through me. And that's the reality, whether you, that's a truth, whether you like it or not. You, the thing about truth is, is that you don't have to, you don't have to like it, it's still true. So if you need to talk to someone about that, there's people here to talk about that. If you need to talk to someone you're doing church with to live at peace with them, if you don't have peace in your heart because of something, then deal with that. We're going to have some time. Adam's going to play music. And do as you please. But all of these scriptures put ownership back on you. God comes to live in you but it also puts ownership on you too. It's like you also have a responsibility. All right, love you, church. Father, I ask that you would speak to us, that you would convict us if we don't have peace, and that you would show us how we could live at peace with others, and you would show us what we need to do to surrender fully to you, and that you're the living cornerstone that lives inside of us, and that we are the church that we are where you live, and that if you choose to live in us, that we better take it seriously, and that it should keep us humble, and it should keep us dependent on you because we are the representative to the rest of the world of what you look like. Father, I'm grateful that we get to love on others, love on this community, love on each other as a church, and serve each other. That, um, Father, you give us the joys of laughing and celebrating with those that celebrate and crying with those that are crying and that we get to just be a family and that you are the common thing that holds us together, that we are tied together as a family, that we're mortared together like rocks in a foundation. Father, thank you. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for sending Jesus and being, his ho- it be, being our hope. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen.